you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Here we go again. Another message. I never feel ready. I'll never be good enough. I'm nervous. I'm not that important. What I'm doing doesn't really matter. It's not making a difference. I'll never be fully accepted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm weak. Just pathetic. Uncertainty. Insecurity. It's not safe. There must be something wrong with me. I'm misunderstood. That's not who I am. I don't matter. Okay, Cummins, video's almost done. Suck it up, smile, own it, let's do this. I'm curious, anyone else have a war going on inside your mind of words? Anybody else have to push back the negative so that you can live the positive? You know what it feels like to, on the outside, have it kind of look like you got it all together and everything in the world's just going just fine for you? But inside, there's this internal struggle, this pushback. That, 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 that in your mind, it's like, I, I can, but you can't. I, I'm, I'm confident but I'm not. I, I believe, but I doubt. I, I, I'm, I'm secure. I, I, I'm, I'm insecure. This battle, these, this soundtrack that plays over and over, at, at its best, it's just annoying. At its worst, it's crushing you. The best news to share this morning is that God knows this about us. He gave us his word, and in particular, a story in 1 Kings and 19. So if you'll join me in your Bible, turn on your digital device. About a man named Elijah. And from an outward appearance, Elijah is uber successful. He, he has won the day, so to speak. This man has been a leader. This man has faced obstacles and overcome there's been battles and and he was victorious you would look at his life and you would come to the conclusion of all the people certainly elijah the prophet elijah he's got nothing nothing to worry there's nothing for him to worry about there's no soundtrack pushing up in 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 his mind this man elijah is one of only two people, him and a man named Enoch, who did not taste death, literally was just taken from life to heaven. That's an extraordinary man. You would think that's the kind of man that, oh my goodness, he must have walked with so much confidence in this life that God just brought him up to heaven. But then you open up your Bible and you notice what it says in 1 Kings 19 and 1. Now Ahab, the most evil king that there was, Ahab told Jezebel 
everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. In other words, Ahab filled in Jezebel of how successful Elijah is, how he had won, how he had pushed back, how he had literally fought against 450 false prophets and won the day. Notice verse 2. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. In other words, Jezebel fired off a text. She did a Facebook post. She did a TikTok. Here's what's coming your way, Elijah. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that one of them. I mean, Elijah, right? He's winning. On the outside, it looks like it got it all together. He should have pushed back and said, girlfriend, hit me with your best shot, Pat Benabar, Pat, Pat, Pat Benatar. You ain't gonna knock me out. Right? He had just beat 450 prophets. What's this one woman? What, what is she? What, what kind of strength? But notice inside of his brain, this soundtrack, this opposing voice much like we often face look what it says in your bible elijah was afraid and he ran for his life when he came to beersheba in judah he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness he came to a broom bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die i've had enough lord he said, take my life. We're, we're observing Elijah in a full-blown panic attack. There was a time earlier that he had, he, had, he had fear of Ahab. And God showed up and said, listen, I understand that you're afraid of him, but I will be with you. Much like God told Joshua, Joshua, I will be with you. There's a difference between fear and panic. You, you see, fear and panic are two different emotions. Fear, stick with me for just a moment, is healthy. Panic is deadly. Fear, fear by definition, to be afraid of something is to be able to identify it, to see it, and to know that it's a problem. It's Something, it's someone who could cause harm. Matter of fact, the way God created your body, your brain registers that fear. It sends a message to your adrenal glands. Your adrenal glands releases cortisol, and you know it as fight or flight. Something is fearful in front of you, so you're either going to fight up against it or you're going to flee from it. God gives that to you. But panic is altogether something different. Something that's fearful, you have an awareness of it. You can develop a, a strategy, you can think, you can respect it. The, 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 this opposition, you, you can have a strategy, but not so much with panic. See, fear and panic are two totally different emotions. Fear is healthy. Panic is deadly. If there's any dentist in the house, this is nothing against you, but like, I, I'm not a fan of going to the dentist. I, I never have been. It's something about that drill and that sound, that high p 
high-pitched sound of that drill inside my mouth. Regardless if they numb you, they, don't worry about it, they're gonna numb. I don't know, there's something about going to the dentist that creates fear inside of me. But watch this. I've identified it, and there's a strategy to push up against it. It's called a toothbrush. And toothpaste. It's called dental floss, right? It's called minimizing my sugar intake. I have identified it. Watch this. I, there is a strategy to push up against the fear, but panic, not so much. Let me see if I can connect to you even spiritually. The Bible says over and over and over that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Verse after verse, all throughout the Bible, what's going on here? The Bible wants us to know that a, a healthy fear, a respect of, I have a respect of the dental drill. <laughs> and it has created something, there's an awareness. And so I have adjusted, watch this, I have adjusted my behavior because of that healthy respect. I used to ride my bicycle all over this community. In just a couple hours, we're going to stand on this stage and we're going to celebrate the life of Harold Donahue. We're going to tell stories and we're going to point people to the gospel. And Harold rode his bicycle all over Marion County. And we've talked about that, but not so much and no more. I don't ride my bicycle out on the open road anymore. Why? Because people don't drive anymore. They text. They do some driving along the way, but really what they're doing is they're sending all their texts and their emails while they're getting from point A to point B, and it's just not safe. I have a healthy fear. I have identified, I have a respect for the automobile and the truck that you're driving because you are bigger than me on my bicycle and spandex shorts. Okay? Do you understand? So I have adjusted my behavior. I have no longer ride on the road. I ride on the Santos trail. I've adjusted my, my behavior. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you adjust your behavior, when you begin to understand that God has created the universe, God has created you, God is large and in charge. When you adjust your life to his will and his way, life is better for you. Hey, there is a difference between fear and panic. Fear, that emotion of fear, it is healthy. It's something you can identify. Oh, but panic is at a whole nother level. I was just a couple years ago, I was going to see some of my high school friends on the eastern shore of Maryland. And so I flew into to BWI, Baltimore's uh, airport, and then I rented a car, and I had to drive over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Has anybody ever been on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge? It is like 3,000 miles long, not really. And it's really high. And I'm driving, and I don't know what happened. I just know that inside my brain, all of a sudden, it's firing off some crazy things. I have images of me, and all of a sudden, my heart starts beating. My hands start sweating. I start, I start like narrowing in like I can only see like a little bit in front of me. I'm not really sure what's, what's going on. I'm taking deep breaths. <sighs> right, right. Later, I, I kind of did some research, and I was having a panic attack. See, a panic attack is deadly. That's exactly what we see in this story with Elijah. Elijah is not afraid of Jezebel. Elijah is panicked. He is fleeing for his life. He's now under a palm tree, and he says, I've had enough. Just 
kill me. Here, go back to your Bible, 1 Kings 19. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness. Hey, mark this down. Isolation fuels negativity. Is it he himself went another, right? He's with his servant. He's got somebody that he can interact with. But now he is isolated. I, I realize that we're doing our best to push back against this virus and push back against this pandemic. But what has been grossly underestimated is what's happening to people who are now in isolation from one another. We need one another. That's why the enemy always shows up as a bully in the back alley. That's why it starts up in this brain where he's hiding. And it's kind of like, you'll never matter anything. What you do doesn't make a difference. I mean, what your dad said, what your mom said, what your coach said, what your teacher said, what you believe, this color of your skin, your social economic status. I mean, and all this stuff gets up inside your brain. And let me tell you something about these negative soundtracks. They need changed. Elijah has this negative soundtrack. It's the end. Why should I bother? Jezebel is going to come and get me. I've had enough. I might as well just die. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm no good. No reason for me to keep living. And these negative soundtracks that are in our brains, they need change. But the problem is, is we have thought on some things so long, and they've been repeated in our brain so many times. Neuroscientists will tell you that your thoughts literally are creating lines in your brain they are creating that's why it's so powerful when the bible says think on things that are right true pure honest that's not just some verse for sunday school that's god helping you and i to rewire our brains the problem is is what we want with these negative thoughts is is we want to just turn it off we, we want the soundtrack of the negativity, the pressure that's in our brains. We just want to have this ability to turn it off like a, an on or off button. But it doesn't work that way. It, it, it's more like we need to learn how to dial it back. Those negative thoughts that you've had, I mean, think about how you have thought that thing about you. You can go back to your high school days, go back to your college days. You can go back to whatever, and here you are, I mean, I'm 56 years old, and I still can pull in those negative thoughts we've got to learn how to dial it back i've had to learn how to literally dial it back and to push back against that negative soundtrack with a with a positive for example one of the things that's negativity always in my brain i never ever feel ready enough matter of fact in between this gathering and the previous gathering i'm back in the back room and i look to linda and i say linda how in the world do you let me get in this mess again now you all think i'm making that up but almost every single Sunday for the past 30 plus years, right? I, I know the word of God is true. I know the Bible will change people's lives. But pushing back, and so I have to push back. I have to push back against, you'll, 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 you're never ready to, wait a second, I've done the work. I've done the work. I've, I've done the work. I, I've, I've done the work. No, you're a liar. I've, I've, done, I've, I've done the work. I can hear over and over words that were said to me in my youth about the value of who I am. One of the ways that, that I act and, and lead in life gets shaped. This is not, I'm not blaming it, 
because of how I grew up. I'm not blaming it because of my parents or a coach or a teacher or whatever. I'm owning it that there was an influence on my life when I was younger, and I brought that in. I began to think about it. I began to repeat it. I began to believe it, and I began to act on it. And I've had to learn how to dial it down. You'll never be accepted, Mark. You'll, you'll, you'll never be smart enough, fast enough, tall enough. And I've had to push back and say, hey, listen, I might not be accepted, but I've been adopted into God's family. And I got sometimes over and over, I, I'm swimming in the pool. I've been adopted. I've been adopted. I've been adopted. I've been adopted, right? I mean, over, it's, it's learning how to push back. So how do you do it? How did I do it? I learned this from a man named John Acuff. He literally wrote the book called Soundtracks. It's a great read if you'd like to get it. But here's three tools that I learned from John. Number one, when you hear that negativity that's in your brain, ask it, is it true? Is, okay, you're you're telling me that, that I have no value. You're telling me that I'm pathetic. Is it true? And what happens is you and I have believed something so often, so many times, it's wired our brains to kind of think that, well, maybe, maybe that is true. And let me tell you something. That soundtrack is sneaky. That's why there's three questions, not just one. Is it true? But let me tell you, he's real sneaky at, 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 at telling, or she's real sneaky, your voice in your brain at telling you, well, it is true. That's why there's a second question. It's the question, is it helpful? Is this thought right now, is it helping me go forward in my life or is it keeping me stuck? See, I'm exposing that soundtrack. I'm dialing it. Elijah's not. Elijah's not exposing no soundtrack. It's just, hey, I got a text from Jezebel. I mean, look what she put out on social media. I mean, there's Chris Como. He's reporting it. And it must be true. That's why you have to ask the question, is this helpful? And here's the third question. Is it kind? I mean, when I'm saying in my mind it's pathetic, when I'm saying in my mind that, that my value, whatever that pressure is, that, that because of the color of my skin or because of what my, my parents did or what someone did that I was dating or, or what a previous boss did or whatever that thing is, is, is it kind? Is it kind? Would I say this to a friend? What are you doing? You're learning to dial it back. Because let me tell you, the leap from having a healthy fear of something, developing a thinking process that identifies it, owns it, develops a strategy to go around it, over it. God's wired you that way. God's wired us. When we see something that can cause harm to us, we are wired. There is chemicals that are released, either fight up against it or flee away from it. But panic. This is what the Apostle Paul talks about when he says, be anxious for nothing. And let me just, let me just give this as, 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 as maybe a little bit of help. I don't think fear is the problem inside of Christian people. I'm thankful for the cute signs all over our town. Have you seen it? Where it says, faith over fear. I'm thankful. It's a, it sounds nice. It's a great cliche. But it really hasn't changed the scoreboard at all. It really hasn't changed the way people act, the way they think, the way we treat one another. Because fear's not the issue. 
Fear is a healthy emotion. When you fear something, by definition, you're able to identify it. And when you identify it, you can develop a strategy, whether you're fighting against it or you're fleeing from it. But panic, which is what I think Christians in North America have been doing, have been panicking. So the question is, like Elijah, how do you and I live in the midst of a world that's chaos? How do we live when Jezebel is sending you a text that it's the end of you? How do we push panic back? How do we fight back against panic? If you got your number two pencil, just write a couple things down. I think these will be really good. I think they'll be really helpful for us. Here's the first thing. Number one is this. If you're going to push back, panic. That, that, that sense of, I'm overwhelmed, there's no solution, I don't, know, I don't know what to do next, I'm just stuck, it's going to be the end, I'm going to find myself a palm tree, throw in the towel. How do you push up against panic? Number one, write this down. Here's how it starts. And I'm, I'm going to warn you right now, this is incredibly simplistic. But here's what I know. Very few people are doing it. This will absolutely change your life. Elijah wasn't doing it. Here's the first thing. Is you got to thank God for what you can see. Anybody in this gathering drive a 4x4? We got any 4x4? Your truck? Anybody? Nobody? Are you kidding me? We're in Ocala. We have one, two, three. Who else drives a 4x4? Okay, right? You'd be driving your 4x4s around, right? Because you ain't getting stuck from nothing to nobody, right? But here's the deal. There's a big difference from driving a 4x4 and living a 4x4. I want to suggest that we start living 4x4s. What are you talking about, Mark? I'm talking about waking up in the morning and finding four things to thank God for. And before you close your eyes at night, four things to thank God for. You want to push up against panic, the panic that you feel that's in the country, the panic you feel that's in your job, that's in your marriage, that's in your health, that's in your kids, that's in your grown parents, all that stuff. You push up against it by living a four by four. You wake up and you say, listen, I'm going to thank God for four things right now. Elijah's not doing this. Elijah's under a palm tree. I've had enough, God. I'm done. I'm done with this marriage. I'm done with these kids. I'm done with my parents. I'm done with you, God. I'm just done. I want to die. He forgot. He, he forgot earlier in 1 Kings 17 that he had no food. He had no Publix. He had no Walmart. He had no Wawa. <laughs> and God used ravens to deliver food. Before there was Uber Eats, there were ravens. And God delivered. He forgot this. He, he forgot that God directed him to a widow and her son. There was a, a worldwide famine going on, and God touched Elijah and this woman and her son, and God provided this oil that kept pouring out and pouring out and pouring out to the fact that they had enough food to eat when everybody else was starving. He forgot to remind himself, I can thank God for what I can. I don't know how God's going to figure out this Jezebel thing, but I do remember when God showed up with the widow. 
How you doing at living a four by four? I know you can find lots of things that are messed up and crazy in the world and get upset and all the different things. But just wake up tomorrow morning and thank God for four. And then tomorrow night, four. Living a four by four. That boy, that widow's son, you would think if anybody in the world had confidence, it was Elijah. That boy that God had brought into Elijah's life, that boy of that widow, she had already lost her husband, that boy died. God used Elijah. God walked Elijah right up into that boy's life, and God used Elijah to bring that boy back from the dead. You would have thought that he'd have stood up tall. How in the world, my goodness, look what I've done. Don't show me your resume. Let me talk about my resume. I brought someone dead back to life. What are you talking about negative soundtracks, right? What do you mean? You think he'd be able to push back. But when you forget to thank God for what you can see, we get so fixated with what we can't see. And then in 1 Kings 18, there's this whole big conversation about who's the true and living God. Almost if he's living in 2021, he looks at the population. He says, you know what? You people, you got to decide. How long will you waver between two opinions? Are you going to trust the government or are you going to trust your God? And he said to this group over here, he said, okay, listen, you prophets of Baal, you set up an altar over here and I'll set up an altar over here. And here's what we'll do. We'll both stand up and we'll start praying. We'll say, hey, God, yo, God, hey, hey, big guy up there, pour down some fire and start this Pour down some fire and start this altar. And so he said, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll let you guys go first. So over here, you got these 450 prophets of Baal, and they put together their wood. At the very same time, there's this huge drought going on. So you would think, right, kind of like being out west right now, any spark would start something. And so there's all this wood, and they're putting the sacrifice on top. And they're like, oh, God, up there somewhere, somewhere, where, where? Oh, God, up there somewhere, where, where? Start the fire. Oh, God, up somewhere, somewhere, wherever you are, God, somewhere, start the fire. Elijah's over here. Talk about a guy who should be filled with confidence. He's over here, and he's kind of snarky saying, hey, yo, yo, is your God on vacation? Maybe he, maybe, maybe, maybe he took a little break. Maybe he went to Tahiti. He's just on a little siesta right now. I mean, he's making so much fun of these guys. Nothing's happening. They start cutting themselves, nothing. And, and, and Elijah says, hey, yo, my turn. <laughs> he said, oh, by the way, before we start my fire, in the middle of the drought, bring the water supply and soak my wood. You ever try starting a fire with wet wood? Soak that wood. Come on, put some more water on that thing true and living God in heaven. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who should have all kinds of confidence, right? Walking around large and in charge. Look what my God has done. But when you forget to be grateful for what God has done, when you and I forget to be grateful for what we have seen, panic sets in on us just like it does with Elijah. That's the first thing, is we have to thank God for what we can see. 
What has God done in your life? And I say this with love. As your pastor, part of the problem is your God hasn't done anything in your life because you don't need him. You're just too good for God. You've got your education. You've got your 401K. And you've got Dr. Fauci. And you've got everybody else that you put your trust in. You don't need your God. And so when it comes down to a point where, okay, I don't know, when, 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 did, when did God deliver food for me in a raven? And, hey, when, when, did, when did God provide oil so that, hey, when, when did God use me to bring somebody back? When, when did God use me? Let me say something. If you haven't made yourself available, if you haven't made yourself willing, today is a brand new day. You get to step in. You get to let God do the impossible in and through your life. Let me just give you one more thing. You can write it down quickly. This, this is going to challenge you. This is going to stretch you. Because the first part, at least the good news is, it's, it's about what I can see. And it's about me humbling myself and realizing, okay, listen, the success that I do have in my life, I am grateful to you, God. You gave me the mind to be able to go to school. You gave me the mind to go have the education. You gave me the mind to make that business deal. You gave me the mind to be able to marry her. You gave me the mind, right? You, you, you're grateful for what you do see. But now here's the second thing, is you learn to trust God for what you can't see. And trust God for what you can't see yet. See, Isaiah 26 and 3, the Bible says, you, that's God, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I'm saying it with all the love that I can give you. The reason you don't have peace right now is because of the source of your trust. Nowhere in the Bible does it say trust another human being. Don't trust me. Wait a second. Did, did the pastor just say don't trust him? Absolutely. If I can't take you to chapter and verse, I want to be trustworthy, don't you? Do, do you want to be trustworthy? I mean, I think you do, right? I, do, do you? You ever broken someone's trust? Have you ever promised? See, we're humans. We're not God. Elijah totally put his trust in the government. And he was like, I can't survive this. Ahab's telling Jezebel this. I'm going to run. I'm going to flee. There's nothing else I can do. It's over for me. And panic set in. We can, we can change the world if we'll step into our everyday, ordinary lives and be reminded that God keeps us in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Here, let me show it to you from the Bible. Look at the big Bible on the screen. 1 Kings 19, 5 through 8, or in your own Bible. Then he, that's Elijah, he lays down under the bush and he falls asleep. In other words, he's wore out. Let me tell you something about panic. Panic will wear you out. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Sorry to all you keto folks. <laughs> There's still something about some fresh bread right and then <laughs> then he ate and he drank and he laid back down then verse 7 the angel of the lord came back a second time and touched him and said get up and eat for the journey is too much for you so he got up and he ate and he drank and he strengthened by that food he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached horeb in the mountain of god hey i know we're not at the gym 
I know we're not at the zone. I know we're not at the Y. We're not at Planet Fitness. We're not at your home gym right now. But let me tell you something. One of the reasons you're having a difficulty connecting with God spiritually is you're so unhealthy emotionally, mentally, and physically. It all, you, 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 are, you are one being. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all of our mind. It is a whole person relationship. And the problem with Elijah, he couldn't trust God for what he couldn't see because he was so wore out. He was so tired. He was dehydrated. He's eating all that junk food. One of the most spiritual things that people can do in this gathering is go to bed at night. Turn off that TV. Get a minimum seven to nine hours of sleep. Go to bed. Talk to your doctor about this. Do you know right now we are worried, and I understand we're pushing against this pandemic and we're all about our teachers, but everybody's fussing and feuding about a mask on a high school, middle school, elementary child, and they're not dealing with one of the biggest epidemics with our children right now, sleep deprivation. Let me give you a hack. Let me give you a tool. Moms and dads, teenagers, I love you. Just keep loving me anyways. All phones and computers should be plugged in overnight in the kitchen, not their bedroom. Go to bed. Turn it off. Go to sleep. I know you love your Pepsis and you love your Mountain Dews and you love your sweet tea and you love your coffee and everything else, but you need, right, Rich? They need to drink water. Water, 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 water. Drink yourself some water. And then I know all, I mean, I know we love all that stuff that tastes and get all that sugar and all that kind of stuff. You got to put that away. I'm just telling you right now, you want to talk, you want to connect with God spiritually? You want to trust God for what you can't see? You want to have that kind of superpower? Go to bed. Drink your water. And before you think that I'm meddling, this is what happened in Elijah's life. Elijah, how did God address it? Rich, the angel shows up and the angel says, you need to go to church more. It didn't say that. You need to read your Bible more. You should read your Bible, but he didn't say that. You need to serve more. You need to give more money. You know, blah, 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 blah. It didn't say any of that. It said you need to go to bed. You need to drink some water. You need to stop eating all that sugar and processed food. That's what he said first. I can't make this stuff up. Then notice what it says in 1 Kings 19. Here's the real secret sauce. All that's important, but there's another step, Rich. Look what it says. There he went, that's Elijah, into a cave, and he spent the night. He's getting another sleep. And the word of the Lord came to him, remember that, and the word of the Lord. It wasn't CNN, it wasn't MSNBC, it wasn't ABC, NBC, CBS, and yes, it wasn't Fox. It wasn't, it wasn't what's the new ones that are out there now. OAN, uh, Newsmax, all, all, it wasn't any of that. It was the word. Let me tell you something. If you're spending more time with that stuff than God you should be panicked. You should be wore out, messed up, cray cray. But look, look, he went into the cave, he took another sleep, and the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing in here, Elijah? 
He replied, watch this. Here's the soundtrack. God, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I've been going to church all the time, my whole life. I've always been a believer. The Israelites, all them other people out in the community, them Democrats and them Republicans and them independents and all them other people. God, 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 they've rejected your covenant. They turned down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. You read a little bit farther on your own in your small group. God says, yo, big boy, I got 7,000 people who still haven't bent their knee to the prophet Baal. Them negative soundtracks, you got to keep pushing back. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? So watch this. We're talking about trusting God with what you can't see. <laughs> this is so good. Verse 11. Then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain. Okay, God. In the presence of the Lord, the Lord is about to pass by. Okay, God. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Oh, you can, see, you can see the results of the wind. We know that as Floridians. We see the results of a hurricane. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the wind. He was not in the shattered rocks. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Right? We've seen the images. In Haiti, there was an earthquake. We, we, we've seen that, but the Bible says, and the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, and the Lord was there. When's the last time you've just been in the presence of the whisper? I, I, I get it. He, it's, it's why it's a whisper, Rich. In the beginning of the day, the TV's shouting, turn me on. The radio's shouting, turn me on. Social media saying, look at me. God's not competing with none of that because he doesn't have to because he's God. presence you've got to come to a point where you trust God for what you can't see Psalms 119 105 the Bible says your word is a is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path one of the reasons that you feel like you're walking in the dark is because you are apart from God's word the strategy 10 by 10 by 7 works in the morning 10 minutes with God in the nighttime, 10 minutes before God, with God. Do that day after day after day. Let him light your path. Let him be the one that guides you. The way that you push back against the panic is you thank God four by four. You thank God for what you have seen. That's what Elijah didn't do. And then secondly, you've got to trust God for what you haven't seen yet. So before we step out on this day, to all Christ followers, it's a brand new day. And let me just ask you, will you? Will you step out and start thanking God? I realize there's a lot of things around you that aren't how you want them to be, what you thought they would be. But will you just start living every single day and find the one thing that you can think, and then the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing? Let me tell you something. One of the ways to shut down divorce I'm not talking about some kind of crazy abuse. But most of the times, I've been around long enough, is that 
Most men don't leave their wives until they first became unthankful for their wife. Be, be filled with gratitude. Be thankful. Four by four. Listen, the doctor, you see patients all week long, and, and you prescribe things for them, right? It's true, right? If they, they come to you unhealthy, and you analyze their body physically, and as a doctor, you give them hope. Do this, don't do this, and you'll become healthy again. You'll get better, right? If they leave your office, hey, they paid their bill, their insurance paid their bill, and they don't do anything, should they be surprised? They stay unhealthy. I don't even want to ask him what percentage of patients are like that with him because it's probably the same to folks who go to church. We go and we hear God's word. We hear it, and then we step out into our everyday, ordinary lives. We don't live it. Four by four. Before you go to sleep tonight, four things you're thankful for. Ten minutes with God. You have to internalize it. You got, to inter- you got to own it, right? You got, you got to own it. So I'm going to pray over us. Christians, you've, you've, got, you've, you've got your homework. You know what to go and do now. If you're here and you're not a Christ follower, I want to give you hope. Because the greatest, let me tell you, Rich, the greatest, and I, my name is Mark. I'm not here to scare anybody. But I'm telling you, in, in a few moments, in, in an hour's time, I'm going to stand on this platform and, and, and officiate Harold Donahue's celebration of life. Harold took his last breath on this earth, and he took his first breath in, in heaven. He and I had conversations about meeting Jesus face to face. He knew he wasn't going to get out of that bed. There was a sweet assurance there's some fear, there's some apprehension. We don't know exactly, right? Harold had never tasted death. He had never walked through that door. I've never walked through that door. But there's a strategy. Harold put his hope and faith in Jesus Christ. Harold knew that he couldn't pay for the penalty of his sins. Harold knew that Jesus died, was buried, and three days later became alive again. There is a strategy that removes that fear. But let me tell you something. If you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you should be filled with panic when you take your last breath on this earth. Because there's nothing biblically that says God grades on a curve. God looks and says, well, you know what? He was a pretty good guy, and he did more good things than, than bad things, so I guess, come on in, let you in. The Bible doesn't say that at all. So before we go on with our day, if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I don't want anybody to panic. I want everybody to step out with fresh, bold confidence. And you can do that in this closing prayer. Would you pray with me? Hey, hey God, it's a bunch of people gathered in this space today and online. And I'm so grateful for your word. An Old Testament story, Prophet Elijah, is as relevant in 2021 as it's ever been. 
And I ask God for all the Christ followers in this space that you would stir up a fresh awareness of being grateful for what you have done, what we can see that you've done. I ask God that you would stir up a, a fresh sense of dependence on you so we can be grateful for the way that you've shown up. And then I ask you to help us to trust you in those areas that we haven't seen yet. Thank you for using Elijah to teach us today. And God, for anybody who's here who's not yet believed, that's you in this space. You've never begun a relationship with Jesus right where you're sitting. Would you have this conversation in your mind? Hey, God, it's me. Right here now today, I invite you into my life. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me, and I can't pay for the penalty of that sin. But I believe that you were buried in the tomb. And I believe three days later you became alive again. And today, I put all of my hope in you. And to everybody who is praying that prayer today, welcome to God's family. God, would you help all today, me, us, to step out into this world and to have a blessed assurance, a confidence that greater is you, Christ, that's in us than all of the chaos that we face in this world. I sure do love you. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Peace.